is John Chase, and let's get started Paddling the Blue. Thank you for joining me for today's episode of Paddling the Blue. Today's chat features a pioneer of the sport, Brian Henry. Brian is the founder of Current Designs, and today he's going to share stories of the early days of boat building alongside some of the personalities that make our sport what it is today. A big thank you to listener Elizabeth Purden for referring and helping make the connection with Brian. So thank you, Elizabeth. We're coming up on the two-year anniversary of Paddling the Blue, and since our first anniversary, you've helped the show grow by over 500%, and we're now reaching more than 70 countries. So thank you to all the listeners who've made that happen. To celebrate, we've got three $50 gift cards courtesy of our good friends at Level 6. And here's how you can win. Somewhere in this episode and the next two, that means this one's number 54 and then 55 and 56, I'll ask a question about a previous guest. If you know the answer, just go to www.paddlingtheblue.com, go to the episodes page, and answer the question. Simple as that. You'll find today's question a little later on in the episode, and you'll need to get your answer in by Wednesday, February 23rd, 2022. I'll announce the winner of today's Level 6 gift card in episode 55, which releases on February 28, 2022. So with that, let's get to today's episode with Brian Henry. Hi, Brian. Welcome to Paddling the Blue today. Thanks very much, John. I appreciate you joining me today. So, Brian, tell me a little bit about how you got your start as a paddler. Well, uh, I guess I started because I live on Vancouver Island, and it uh, is one of the best places to be a kayaker. But nobody was kayaking, and uh, I was about five years old. And we used to spend our summers out at a fantastic beach locally, and uh, I got a hand-me-down plywood kayak from a cousin and uh, paddled it all summer long. Between rowing and paddling, we just spent our time on the water. We went from there into uh, growing up, being an adult, and discovering whitewater kayaking, and that really got me hooked, but I was the only guy that really sea kayaked out of my adrenaline junkie buddies who we used to whitewater paddle with. Yeah, that takes me kind of through until I was just in my early 20s. From there, I just kept being a paddler. So age five seems to be a magic number for a lot of people. When I ask that question to a lot of guests, age five seems to come up. And for some reason, uh, when I when I interviewed the folks in the UK, it always seems to start with inflatables. So in this case, it was a wood boat. Oh, they were just a little kit boat, and I think my uncle made it. It turned into a planter when I was finished with it. It was had been passed around so many times. <laughs> so that, you know, five-year-old you uh, starting out as a paddler, and that turned into where you are today. Tell us a little bit about you know, how that grew and uh, and your, your founding of Current Designs. Well, I was a sheet metal worker, a sheet metal mechanic, so I learned how to craft and how to manufacture things, and I was good with my hands and creating things. As a whitewater paddler, I just was the only guy that would get out in the ocean and paddle either my boat with a skag on it. I took a whitewater kayak up to the Queen Charlotte's then, which is Haida Gwaii now, and uh, circumnavigated Louise Island and, you know, spent a week out in a little whitewater kayak with a skag on it and float bags and really got hooked. But I would use that boat and going all the way up in my 20s with my van up into the Yukon and uh, paddled some rivers and paddled Princess Louisa Inlet. and There was all sorts of great places to paddle. So it just kind of caught me 
Before long, we were planning to go on a trip. The one to the Charlottes, there were eight of us that I put together, all river paddlers. On our way up, we carried our kayaks onto the ferry, and we met up with a group of kayakers. Rob Lesser was one of them, who was quite a famous whitewater legend, and we were whitewater paddlers, and we'd never seen plastic kayaks before, so they were sharing those with us, their perception mirages. We had sea kayaks, so they'd never really seen sea kayaks before. So we were sharing with them what our kayaks were. So after a month in the Queen Charlotte's, I decided that I'd really like to do this as a living. And that's how I decided to start a business. So now when you mentioned you're doing all the whitewater paddling up in the islands and such, were you paddling distance in a whitewater boat? Well, in the Queen Charlotte's, you know, for a whole week through the islands. But by the time we were going out into the Broken Islands on the West Coast, we had some really rude sea kayaks. Uh, one was a Werner Fur design, and it was about a 16-foot touring kayak. I think Eddie Line also was influenced by Werner. But uh, we used to meet people up in the Queen Charlottes that, you know, they were a lot of people from Seattle, and uh, we started to explore our own islands and build our own boats because we had to we had to build our whitewater boats to have those, so we had to build our sea kayaks. So now, why did you choose to start a sea kayak company when very few people knew about sea kayaking? No, it was really um, unknown, and uh, people would canoe, but canoes aren't nearly as good a craft in the in the ocean. Yeah, I just, why well, I sold whitewater kayaks. I sold more perception whitewater kayaks than any other guy in Canada in my first year because nobody had them. Then we we recognized the need to have kayaks, and there were a couple of kayaks down being manufactured in Seattle. There was Pacific Water Sports and Eddy Line, and I went down and I met those guys and another fellow called John Dowd, who's quite well known in the industry. He was in Vancouver and started a company called Ecomarine. So, with that, I started to get to know the people in in the industry and John and I used to work together to buy boats and to develop boats. So I started designing boats. I had a little retail store. It was 250 square feet. My rent was $150 a month and I started in business. I knew nothing and it's a good thing because I probably wouldn't have done it. <laughs> so you mentioned uh, a few names in there, John Dowd and, uh, and you mentioned Werner Fur. I understand there was a, uh, a legendary meeting in Werner Furrer's basement that turned sea kayaking into a real business. It's true. Yeah. I actually came up with the acronym. It was the Sea Kayak... Well, it turned into TASC, Trade Association of Sea Kayaking. And through that, that's when the West Coast Symposium came up. And it all came out of that little group. So there was probably about eight or ten of us in Werner's basement at that time. It was the first time we realized it was there was something here. It was really, we were the innovators. We were the first guys in. And we had to learn how to be, how to promote the sport. And unless we got together, it really wasn't going to get promoted. So the Pacific Northwest was really the place that sea kayaking started to take off, I think. This meeting was the, it's kind of the paddle sports equivalent of Bill Gates, Paul Allen, and Steve Jobs just hanging out in a basement. Um, so who were some of the other legends in addition to yourself in attendance? Uh, Lee Moyer, 
was there. Uh, Tom Dura of Eddie Line. Uh, John Dowd, certainly of Ecomarine. I think, oh, John Abenhouse might have been there. He was uh, Northwest Kayaks. I think the Bose Brothers. Yeah, so, but it wasn't a big group. And there was Warner Jr. and Warner Sr. And they were both there. And they were inspiring because the Furs, uh, Werner Sr. and and his, his wife, they used to go up to Brooks Peninsula. I mean, more people on Vancouver Island from Seattle would go kayaking than there would be Canadians up there kayaking. <laughs> so they were they were a great family, very inspiring. How did this whole group work together to create sea kayaking as a sport? Well, we created TASC, Trade Association of Sea Kayaking, and we had a board and uh, we would meet quite often. I mean, there was no Zoom, so we had to basically get together. We just decided that we, what could we do to promote things? So we did safety brochures and we did mainly symposiums. Then we worked with companies like REI and they would have their paddle fest and we put together the biggest one. So there would be, I don't know how many people came, but it was hundreds and hundreds of people that would come to Port Townsend for the CCAC Symposium on an annual basis. And it went on for years, probably 20 years. It was the Mecca, and it was great to be part of it. So now you designed the boats, uh, you initially designed the boats yourself? Yeah, being a sheet metal mechanic, I could loft and I could conceptualize, and then we built cedar plugs, mostly cedar strip, and then we would paddle them. I remember my first boat was called a Pisces, and then uh, I through really looking and trying to understand what kayaking was. You know, the Inuit, they used to design their kayaks to fit the individuals. You know, they would use parts of their body for some of the measurements. I kayaked in Greenland and really got excited about that. I went kayaking with one of the champion rollers in, in their tiny little boats. And it was you know, and then in Labrador, of course, they've got more cruising boats. And so you've got to figure out where your boat should fit. And so I realized that we're, we're a touring country here. So we wanted touring boats that could carry gear and travel us, travel efficiently and safely and stable. So um, that's what I did. And uh, through my first boat, the Pisces, and then uh, I decided because the Inuit would build their boats different sizes. We were the first ones to ever scale down a boat. So I built the Equinox, which was a smaller version of the Pisces. And those were our first two, two boats. Followed those with our Solstice. And the Solstice is still a boat that's widely used and, and still sold and manufactured. And uh, again, I decided to build it in different sizes. So I used to build the Solstice GT, which is the Grand Touring then the, just the Solstice GT, and then we would do the Solstice GTS, and then we did that in two different volumes. So truly we could fit, so pretty well any, any person, we would bring them in and we would make sure they got exactly the right boat that fit them. You know, it was just one, you know, just a few designs we started with, but in the end I designed about a dozen different boats. Some of them are still, well, a lot of them I still see on the water now. That must be a kind of a point of pride as you're out paddling and, and see some of your designs out there. Well, some people kind of don't even know it's me and I'm just paddling along with them and it's you know, one of the original kayaks and a guy goes, oh, Brian, what's the years? what year is this one? I look in it and I go, oh, that's a 97 and it's a Kevlar and oh, John, John and George, 
built that one because they're you know they got their signatures inside <laughs> so everybody used to sign the boats when they built a boat and my staff they would go down to when uh, one guy was in florida i went in a kayak uh, kayak store and i saw my name in one of the boats so uh yeah it was kind of neat that's pretty cool yeah that is so now in those early days how many how many boats would you build in a year well, we built more boats than any other manufacturer in the world at one point. We could build about um, 10 boats a day, 10 to 12 boats a day. That was before we had um, roto molding. So these were all composite boats. We vacuum bagged and we used Kevlar and different materials in, in our construction. As I say, very much like aircraft was built. We had a really big uh, operation when we were when we were running at our, at our very peak. Yeah, it was the, the difficulty of us keeping it here on Vancouver Island was that we were importing all the materials to the island and manufacturing and then having to export. So our trailer could carry nearly 60 boats, but we would have to be sending two of those out a week. So yeah, it was exciting times. It was really fun. Certainly sounds like it. Yeah. So how has boat manufacturing changed over the years? Well, rotomolding, we did become rotomolders. We got a we got a machine and uh, we took some of our more mo more popular models. The the Solstice became the Storm when it went to plastic and we built that for lots of years. And uh, we got a what they call a rock and roll machine. There was a super guy that was just a bit of a genius and uh, we learned about it. So we built I thought amazing boats. I had partners in my business and I thank goodness I did because we all did our things the right way. I mean, I was the kayaker and the, and the guy that had the passion for it. We put all of our staff through kayak courses and they even had their own club. So I don't think many manufacturers, you know, making boats these days have a culture that the employees are also out there paddling with us. And that's that's what we had. It was pretty special. Yeah, and when your uh, when your your staff can travel to other locations and see their name in boats and, and get excited about it, that's pretty cool as well. If you ever see an older current designs boat, look inside, and you'll see there might be about four or five names in there. But because it, it would go through the crew, and everybody would do their special thing to it. Anywhere special that they sign them? Uh, just inside. There's the serial number inside. It's fiberglassed into the boat. Okay. So transition just a little bit. So. Your favorite places to paddle. You mentioned uh, some of the islands. Tell us a little bit about your favorite places to paddle. Well, I guess the west coast of Vancouver Island, uh, Nootka Island, Nechatlitz. There's, there's Barclay Sound. It's a little too busy for me. I like to go a little further north. Uh, Brooks Peninsula, Cayucat. There's some pretty amazing places that are so still so pristine. Nechatlitz and Brooks Peninsula, Esperanza Inlet are sort of maybe my most favorite places I've ever paddled. I mean, I'm lucky I've paddled a lot in, in Japan and in Florida and the Caribbean and, and you know, a whole bunch of places in Europe. The, the Hebrides, just amazing place to paddle. And I, I recommend anybody that wants to go to Europe, go, go paddle in the Hebrides. It's pretty magical, too. So the, the places you mentioned, what is it that's, that's so special about those places for you? It's the places that you can paddle and then you can go hike. I think that's the trick. It's just to really, really live the place. 
you know, you're not just going to paddle an area. You want to get out and you want to go explore where you've paddled. Most of the places I go, that's the case. The west coast of Vancouver Island is pretty hard. I don't know if you tried slogging through Shalal <laughs> or some of the west coast. It's kind of hard to go for a hike some places on, the, on our west coast. It's almost impenetrable. No, I, I like I just like the exploring of the whole thing. So how long you been paddling in those areas? Oh, 40 years. Yeah, 40, 45 maybe. Yeah. So those remote areas, the remotest of those areas, how, how have those earlier trips to those areas, how they differ from today? You know, I don't think they do a lot. You go out into some of the more remote areas. Yeah, there might be a few more kayakers, but, you know, kayakers, I think, are a lot of people are more day trippers, which is fine. You know, it's it's whatever you get out of it. It's the joy of getting out. I think the boomers were the explorers, and I think more people might have actually been penetrating these, these areas than I don't think there's any more people in some of those areas now than there were back then. Um, you'll see places getting a little bit overrun if they're very if they're easily accessible. But uh, no, I, I there's still lots of amazing places to paddle. So what's the one place that if you could go to over and over again uh, that it would just be the most satisfying for you that you'd love to keep going to? I do Cayucat. I think Cayucat and Brooks Peninsula is a pretty magical place. That sort of, just if you know Vancouver Island, just on the very north, sort of three quarters of the way up, there's a peninsula that goes up. It's Brooks Peninsula. It was never covered by the Ice Age, so it's got some, some really unique features. And just below there, there's this lovely little group of islands that's uh, in there, and it's pretty special. So what advice would you have for someone considering that area? Um, call us. <laughs> <laughs> we can give you all sorts of good leads. There's a, uh, Ocean River is my, so Current Designs was only part of what I, I created. I, I started Ocean River Sports, and that was a retail store. But I always taught. I was a certified whitewater kayak instructor. And so coming over, I was also a sailor. So, you, you know, you put your skills together. And it was sort of the beginning of us being able to figure out safe, good, authentic sea kayak courses. So we, te we taught a ton of people how to paddle. Ocean River does tours. We have rentals. We have two different facilities on Vancouver Island, just here on the lower Vancouver Island. Uh, so we rent boats, we outfit people. And um, during COVID, we closed our retail store. We're just opening up another one at one of our locations in Oak Bay, right on the, right on the water. You know, I, I think there's a lot of specialty stores and uh, try and find those guys. They deserve to be supported. I think paddlers like talking to paddlers. Don't buy yourself off a big box store because you might not get just the right advice. I think it's so nice for us because we just can share our passion on things when we're talking to people and giving them good advice and helping them fix their gear, whatever it takes. Yeah, that service is, a, is an all-important piece. So, so now you opened Ocean River before uh, Current Design, is that right? That's right, yeah. Okay. It was uh, 250 square feet. And uh, my rent was $150 a month, and I was my only employee. <laughs> and I used to put a sign on the door, 
gone product testing. <laughs> <laughs> but people all knew me. So any paddlers in Victoria, if I saw a, a car drive through Victoria and it had a kayak on it, I would know that person. And if I wouldn't know them, we'd chase them down and we'd figure out who they were. <laughs> it was a pretty small community. Now I see so many kayaks. Recreational kayaks didn't even exist. Uh, that was sort of another wave. It was. It's. It's interesting to see how it's unfolding. Yeah, definitely yes. is. So now, Ocean River. Uh, when you started that, it was a combination retail, guiding, and instruction. Is that correct? That's right. Well, in the beginning, it was more instruction because there was really nobody to take guiding because nobody mm -hmm. knew how to paddle. So we taught courses and uh, Paddle Canada, which is one of our certifying bodies here. And really, our first courses were used to kind of create a bit of that template from there it's become a bit of, i mean there's some people all they do is instruction um we're during during certain times people are looking to to get out there and, and learn how to do it you know and, and they, they don't want to just go out like say they're going on a tour we might get them to come in and see us so that when they're on the tour they're already capable enough rather than go on a tour and have to be learning while they're out on a tour. So, you know, taking instruction, it's it's not maybe not for everybody in the beginning, but I think everybody should do it and learn to be safe and learn to be competent, and you'll have a much better time. Yeah, oh, it makes it more enjoyable. Well, yeah, if you're nervous, you're not having a good time. So now you recently closed the retail side of the business, is that right? I closed our big store. Uh, was an outdoor store and a, a paddle sports store. Paddle sports were, you know, about 50% of it. The rest were was outdoor gear, and uh, it was just a tough market. I think the online sales and things is hard for the independent, but uh, we just recognized that and decided that that was not the right template anymore. I mean, how long does your template last? I mean, it was for nearly it was 38 years. So we closed that and we've decided that we're creating an online store and a bricks and mortar store to back it up. So our bricks and mortar store is small, but it allows us to be there and, and we've got our docs. So we've got all our demos and all our staff to help anybody find the right kind of gear that we might be able to help them with. So we're back into the retail side. Well, the service aspect, both during and after the purchase, which you kind of alluded to, that there's there's a clear advantage there, yet many consumers still choose to go online over their local retailer. So what advice do you have for other retailers looking to continue their business in the face of, uh, of a lot of online business? You know, I, I think we all hope that our customers have, have ethics. <laughs> and if someone is there and, and helps them, that they'll recognize that. Then I think that people do. Things that your that safety is involved, and what we do, we teach people how to kayak. So we've created ourselves a customer, and then we create a loyal customer because they trust us. And you know, those who have a local retailer, I'd say go and visit them. If you have a local outfit or a local guide, or a local school that that you can learn a little bit from, just go and meet them. I think that's the most important thing. Support those local guys. We're we're great. I was one of the members of uh, our Think Local group in Victoria, which has now grown to be thousand people, a thousand members. 
but uh, there were just three of us that sat down one day and decided this is crazy. We we need to get people to realize what being local is all about. So just think local. I think it helps. So I'm going to uh, shift back for just a second. What's one place that you've not been to that you've always wanted to go to and paddle? Uh, Chile. I haven't been to Chile. We've just listed to do some tours in Chile and we're excited to go. So we're waiting till next season. But uh, Chile is kind of the British Columbia and Alaska of the Southern Hemisphere. Uh, it's Patagonia, and it's got some pretty magical places down there that are like what we have, but different. So that's my next spot to hopefully get out and go go paddle. That's an interesting one. I would not have expected that specifically. I mean, I, I can imagine that it's going to be amazing, but it just it's not the one that would have come to my mind initially. Well, the other, the other one is going back to the Hebrides. Hebrides is fantastic, you know, and it's surprising there were not that many paddlers out there. You know, you can, uh, we did a taste of the Hebrides where we would visit a distillery every evening. So we would paddle and we would go, we didn't go every night, but uh, it was really good because it was this whole historic slant to it. It was really, it was lovely. And we would paddle and then we would, they, we would hike the cliffs in the Hebrides and they're magical. So by all means, try, try going to the Hebrides and go kayaking. There's a few outfitters up there. Where do you guide uh, through Ocean River now? Um, we're in the Gulf Islands. My wife and I own a, a lovely place on a little uh, island called Saturna Island. And uh, so we're out there quite a bit. Got some moving water, which, you know, our currents are quite credible around British Columbia. So we got some moving water to play in and we've got some great places to tour and to camp. So, you know, our playground is, is pretty diverse where we can go. So I must admit I'm probably doing a little less overnight these days than we used to not this year the year before my two sons and i are and my my wife my boys said dad mom we uh haven't been on a kayak trip for a few years so they're 28 or 29 and 30 and uh they took us on a kayak trip we went to have you ever heard of god's pocket i've not so on the north end of vancouver island and if you go out of port hardy it's uh that's your launch spot, and it's pretty amazing. It's uh, it's magical. So it's the very north end of Vancouver Island. God's so, pocket. Um, yeah, that was a week's a week long trip, and uh, that was a couple of years ago. We went on that, and that was that was another lovely trip. So I'd go back to there easily, and maybe out and around to Cape Scott. I've never done. I've gone up to Cape Scott and paddled down God's pocket, but linking them together is kind of nice sometimes. So. None of these places, you know, you never, you never paddle them out. You, you go there and you always want to go back again sometime. What is it about God's Pocket that uh, was, was attracting to you? Well, I think it was being with my family, which always makes it a little bit nicer. <laughs> you know, but going around to get to, I think next time I go, I'll hop over to uh, Cape Scott. And that's the northwest corner of Vancouver Island. So that's the most exposed part. But it's pretty magical. So you mentioned your sons, and I know that uh, your your family is pretty adventurous overall. Tell us a little bit about your sons. Well, I have two. I have uh, Graham, who's my oldest son. He's always been he's he's my old soul. He's the one that 
rationalizes things and kind of gets it figured out and makes a plan. And, and then I have Russell, and he's a little younger. He's a year and a half younger. And uh, he's my roof jumper. So he's the guy that's always – he he's broken limbs, but where Graham would never do that because he would have thought that through. But Russell is the risk taker, and he is he's he's great. He's uh, he's a paramedic now. Maybe he learned it because he needed it. They're both tremendously adventurous. Together, they've done some amazing things, and they supported each other. I've encouraged them, and their mom's been great. Their their mother is a she was a guide, and she was uh, she went through outdoor education, and uh, when outdoor education didn't really exist, so. Yeah, we, we met whitewater kayaking. She actually bought a kayak off me in the very, very beginning, in my first few months of having my store. So they're pretty adventurous. They've done some pretty incredible trips, and they keep doing things. What sort of trips have they done that our listeners would know about? Well, the one probably is when they paddle from the mouth of the Amazon River to Florida. It was seven months, so they decided... Russell was in an outdoor program in Thompson Rivers University, and in his program, he had to, they they were asked to design a, a an adventure, a trip, and so he designed this trip. And then he said to Graham, he says, "Graham, we should do this trip." So you know they they figured it all out, and they flew to Brazil. Current Designs sponsored them. Winona Canoe actually purchased Current Designs from us some years ago. And they're based in in Winona, Minnesota. But there's good friends, and they actually put together, they they sponsored the boys with some boats. So they had to get them to Brazil. So the boys had to wait around for six weeks because their boats got lost in transit. And uh, they learned to speak Portuguese. (laughs) And they got some friends. Then they started paddling from um, Belém. And uh, the first thing was they had... The Amazon, the mouth of the Amazon River, the largest estuary in the world that they had to paddle across. It was pretty epic. We would watch them. They took six months to do this. Was it six or seven? It was pretty incredible all the way up. I think they did 27 countries and protectorates. They got very creative. They had to negotiate their way through, and they they had to go through, I think, going through border checks and such things took a lot of tenacity just to make sure that they did things the right way. So we we actually went down and met them in Tobago near Trinidad uh, when they were on their trips. And it was quite heartwarming to see the two boys paddle in. Yeah, they you, you could tell right away that they matured a lot and they were pretty, pretty rugged looking young guys at that point <laughs> until Rosie got them all uh, shaved and, and showered and <laughs> cleaned up. <laughs> So we met up with the boys, and then they did the rest of their whole trip through the whole Caribbean and uh, ended up in Florida. So we met them in Florida when they finished their trip and spent a week or so in Florida with them. It was pretty pretty amazing to see these two young guys. It's, and uh, they were in single kayaks, not a tandem, which made it that much more difficult on 24-hour crossings. Russell would fall asleep sometimes, but he would <laughs> continue paddling, and Graham would have to wake him up. <laughs> anyway yeah they had some their their slideshow and presentation was just epic so. oh i bet fantastic well again another another point of pride to be able to see them in uh, tobago and 
uh, follow the journey along the way and then see them in, uh, in Florida as they finished up as well. Well, yeah, it's, uh, then they came home and, um, they did a few shows around. They were back in New Jersey at Jersey Paddler doing a show there. And Winona was, was great. Current designs, they were helping promote the things that they did. But the boys didn't do it to... I, I truly respected them. People said, well, why don't you get a sponsor and do this? And I, they said, we're doing it for us. You know, we, we could pretend we're doing it for a good cause, but we're just doing it because we want the adventure. And I thought that was really genuine. It wasn't... They weren't trying to promote themselves. They just wanted to do what they wanted to do. And they did. That's great. Adventure for the for the sake of adventure, yeah. just for exploration and experience. Yeah. So since then, uh, when they got back, Russell was not knowing quite what to do. He says, what do I do now? You know? And so he says, I'm going to paddle around Vancouver Island. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> So Russell decided to paddle around Vancouver Island and break the record. So we outfitted him. He actually, uh, you know, paddling between a wing paddle and a sea kayak paddle because he, he grew up paddling some racing boats with us. So he kind of understood how to paddle a surf ski or a K1 Olympic boat. So Russell's really good shape because they'd just come off their Caribbean trip. And uh, he did. He was going to leave here on southern vancouver island and the night before he goes dad I, the winds are bad they're just against me all the way up so we talked about it and his brother came in and we said okay here's the deal you're gonna go and meet because the newspaper was there to watch him leave and then you're gonna get in your truck are you gonna leave and you're gonna drive to the north end of the island and paddle south so he did that the whole idea because he had wind behind him for the first three days and which would otherwise have been against him and he broke the record he did it in th less than 14 days he broke the previous record by two and a half days and that was somebody uh colin angus a great guy who rode around the island so russell shattered the record it was arduous to we we met we met up with him when he came through victoria and his hands were like hamburger but he just kept going and going, and uh, he did it in 13 days, like about 15 minutes short of 14 days. And that record still stands today, and nobody's even really got that close. So it's pretty neat. Yeah, definitely impressive. Yeah. So other than running uh, Ocean River Sports, what else is keeping you busy these days? Well, we all move through life, you know. We got a great little cabin out on Saturna Island, and I get to paddle. I go out on the surf ski sometimes just to get a workout, and I'm trying to get out paddling a little bit with a local paddling club just as one of the guys. I'm working part-time, and I'm trying to figure out how to retire. Sometimes work, what do, they, what do they say? If you love what you do, you never work a day in your life. I've been lucky up to this point. So I'm looking for a little bit more retirement time so I can go paddle more, sail a little bit. And uh, I guess I just like being on the water, enjoying exploring. Well, you're so right that uh, when, you, when you find a career that uh, truly matches your passion and gives you the opportunity to do what you get to wake up in the morning and say, I get to do this as opposed to I have to do this, that's pretty special. Yeah, you know, I, I look at some of the crazy, stupid things. I mean, I'd be gone for like 
five weeks with a trailer full of kayaks going to to Maine, going to drop them off at REI and, and or or LL Bean, and we had major customers like that, and it was so fun. But uh, you know, I don't think I probably want to do that anymore. <laughs> I guess some fun can run out, but uh, it was a very exciting thing to be involved in, and I'm very, very blessed that it uh, I was part of something. Uh, yeah. So, what's the big focus with Ocean River Sports now? Well, I think it, I got a really great crew, and it's a matter of me getting my crew set to be able to be more independent and uh, take on Ocean River Sports completely as I back away from it and uh, take on some partners. I had partners in current designs. I, my first partner was Campbell Black, who he was the fiberglass guru. He is the best guy I've ever met in building composite product. And, and our other two that came in, there were four of us in the end. And, and it was pretty magical because you knew somebody else cared as much as you do. So, I think when you do anything, it's great to do it in a team. I think right now in my life, I want to do a little more solo things. And that means me backing away from being in the business a little bit. I think I'm looking at retirement time. And I want to just use my retirement time to get out paddle a little bit more and explore. So Brian, how could listeners reach you if they have additional questions? Well, if you got questions, uh, my email is, and it comes from when I used to outrigger canoe. We were in Hawaii and... Uh, and I lost my email. My email address got spammed. So I am Big Kahuna at OceanRiver.com. That is my email address, and it's kind of a joke that I'm the big, I'm the big Kahuna. <laughs> <laughs> so OceanRiver.com is our retail store and our adventure center. We have two amazing locations in the Greater Victoria area. We do stand-up paddleboarding. We do kayaking sea kayaks we do group tours we do a lot of instruction so we do a lot of paddle canada programs so if anybody wants like say they're going on a big tour and they want to be competent enough for before they go um, we can help them out we've got a great staff one question that i forgot to ask i, I just popped into my head here where did the name current designs come from actually it wasn't mine it was brilliant though uh at my first employee Dougal naismith Dugald, um, he worked for me. He was chronically unemployed at the time, so I got a wage subsidy, I remember. He used to be um, in a circus. <laughs> <laughs> but great paddler, super good guy. He started a little company. I started the kayak manufacturing, and he started making kayak paddles. And he, he'd met Campbell because of me, so we vacuum-bagged all of our boats. And so they started vacuum bagging kayak paddles, sea kayak paddles, because we couldn't get any really good sea kayak paddles. Well, we could. We could get Werner. And we knew Werner when he was in a dirt garage, dirt-floored garage, building his paddles. But they were, they were in Seattle and more difficult to get. So we started manufacturing paddles. And Dougal came up with the name Current Designs. And he got to the point where he wasn't going to do it anymore. So he sold the paddles to me and we had, a, we had paddles and we had the kayaks and we also had a, a neoprene manufacturing facility and we used to even build life jackets and because we couldn't get any of it. 
but uh, current designs was the pedal side and i just love the name and i think it's still a great name so i i would have not known that uh you had paddles and uh, you're making wetsuits and yeah wetsuits and, and skirts and uh we had to manufacture all our own rudder pieces and foot pedals and i mean there was nothing that you could buy so we just had to make it all very interesting so, Brian, one other question, um, one final question that I ask that we ask of all of our guests here, and that is, who else would you like to hear as a future guest on Paddling the Blue? You know, John Dowd was a bit of a mentor to me because he had done a Caribbean trip and is very famous. They took a double clepper, him and his wife, and there was another clepper along as well. I believe there are two kleppers or maybe three. But it was one of the longest kayak journeys ever done in its day. My boys went a little further, mm-hmm. <laughs> but what a great guy. Um, he wrote a book, Sea Kayaking. He's a, a New Zealander, and uh, he started a little company called Ecomarine, which was the beginning of sea kayaking on in our area. It was in Vancouver. What I really appreciated about John was he didn't consider me a competitor. He considered me an ally, and uh, he gave me lots of good advice. And he was inspiring. I know he's still in the marine business. He's not doing uh, kayaks anymore. But he was the guy that started Sea Kayaker magazine many years ago as well. And he was, I I missed him. He was in the basement of Warner Seniors in in the rumpus room uh, when Task was created. He was a big part of it. So I would suggest John Dowd. He's He's a good storyteller too. Excellent. Well, I will, uh, I'll connect with you offline and we'll get contact information for John and, uh, and try and get him on the show as well. Great. So, so Brian, it's been fantastic learning about how you got your start as a paddler and the founding of Current Designs and, um, and the, the progression uh, from there, and as well as some of your favorite places to paddle and, and how your family has taken that to the next level as well. Yeah, well, those two boys are still going. They do all sorts of stuff and it's fun to watch them. <laughs> so we'll see them soon. All right. Well, Brian, thank you again for the opportunity to again learn about you, learn about Ocean River Sports, and then learn about your family and to be able to have a chat with you this afternoon. So thank you very much. Well, thank you. Take care. If you want to be a stronger and more efficient paddler, Power to the Paddle is packed with fitness guidance and complete descriptions along with photos of more than 50 exercises to improve your abilities and enjoy your time on the water. The concept and exercises in this book have helped me become a better paddler, and they can make a difference for you too. The exercises in the book can help you reduce tension in your shoulders and low back, use the power of your torso to create leverage and use less energy with each stroke, use force generated from your lower body to make your paddling strokes more efficient, have the endurance to handle long days in the boat, drive through the toughest waves or whitewater, protect your body against common paddling injuries, and while you're at it, you might even lose a few pounds, and who wouldn't mind that? So visit paddlingexercises.com to get the book and companion DVD. Who wouldn't have liked to have been a fly on the wall listening in on that conversation in Werner's basement as they built the foundations for our sport in the Pacific Northwest? Brian's done a lot to shape the sport and its boats, and what an adventurous family as well. I'll have to work on getting Russell or Graham or maybe both on the show someday too. Big thanks to Brian for sharing his history and for making a positive difference in the sport. At the beginning of today's episode, I promised a question for our two-year anniversary. So today's question is, who was Joachim Larson's level six dry suit named after?
So again, that question is, who was Joachim Larson's Level 6 dry suit named after? To get your answer in, visit www.paddlingtheblue.com. Go to the episode page for this episode and get your answer in by Wednesday, February 23rd. And then I'll announce the winner for this episode's uh, gift card on February 28th, 2022. We're going to continue the discussion with our sports pioneers for the next episode, this time heading across to the UK, where we'll have a chat with Graham Macarith. Graham is the founder of Piranha Kayaks and the owner of Piranha and P&H. Graham's an inductee into the International Whitewater Hall of Fame and, like Brian, a true pioneer of the sport. As always, thanks again for listening, and I look forward to bringing you the next episode of Paddling the Blue. Thank you for listening to Paddling the Blue. You can subscribe to Paddling the Blue on Apple Music, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Please take the time to leave us a five-star review on Apple Music. We truly appreciate the support. And you can find the show notes for this episode and other episodes, along with replays of past episodes, contact information, and more at paddlingtheblue.com. Until next time, I hope you get out and paddle the blue.